And this Go. ball in the air, deep right center Go. field. Two-run home run, Trevor Story. Way back, Myers, he'll watch it go Chuck Nasty. Two-run home run, David Dahl. And Nolan drives this high in the air, deep left field. Take a good look, you won't see it for long. I don't want to lose your love tonight. Welcome back in to the DNVR Rockies podcast. Still brought to you by Strava Co- Coffee. What what is it? Strava Craft Coffee. I can say it. How many times have I done this intro? You can still get twenty percent off if you use that code DNVR twenty, and you know you get CBD infused, a deliciously rich and potentially life altering Strava Craft. Coffee. I'm your host, Drew Priestman, managing editor of DNVR Rockies. With me, as always, is beat writer Patrick Lyons. And on this episode, we continue our countdown of the top 10 thingamajigs of the Colorado Rockies season. We are very loosely defining the word moments, uh, as you will see. Top 10 best of 2020. Top 10 best of. Top 10 best of. <laughs> the, the best, best of top 10. These are the best ofs of the uh, of the top. If tens. you say the best of top ten, that's redundant. But the top ten best of twenty twenty, mm. now you've got some. Now you're playing on my writer ears. My mom watched that movie that's like three hours long about them making the dictionary on Netflix. It actually looks really good. Okay, that's uh, a Gary Goldman bit. That was a, yeah. that was a hoax. <laughs> no, no, that was a different no. bit. I've not heard of this. This actually sounds interesting. Yeah, I think it's uh, someone here in the comments will tell me. I think Mel Gibson is in it. I don't know. It looks really good. It looks like one of those sitting in corners and talking and acting and big beards and serious stuff movies. But we're going to do a little bit less of that. But making the dictionary sounds like it. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna like it when I watch it. <laughs> Uh, but we already done made part of our top 10 list here. If you're if you're just tuning in and you haven't heard the honorable mentions and the first couple at the back end here, well, you got to go back, press press pause, go back and listen to that one. And join us here for the top six. Didn't break it even. Look, we talk how long we got to talk. And then when we come to the end of the conversation, we stop. <laughs> That's how we roll th- things here. So at our top six now, this is the cream of the crop, Patrick, the best stuffs that happened in Rocky's universe this year? Well, he may be number six, but if we're talking just about hair, he's number one. And that is the relative emergence of not only Ryan Maltapia, but of a Mr. Josh Fuentes, both on different levels, doing different things, different positions, infield, outfield. But nevertheless, you have two guys who have interesting stories and paths to the majors who really took a step forward each in their own individual way in 2020 and have you thinking about them a little bit differently than you did at the start of the season totally i think that's the biggest connecting factor between the two of them right that and the reason they rate this high on the list is because ultimately all of you are here because you care about the baseball that happens on the field and well, Nolan Arenado being great defensively happened on the field. And some of the, you know, Yancey Almonte, Charlie Blackman, that stuff happened on the field. You're in the offseason now. You're already thinking about 2021. You want to know what the team's going to be like next. The baseball's going to be like next. And there's not a lot to hang your hat on that you're excited about now that you weren't 12 months ago. But these two, I think, are the two biggest on-field things where you're going... And, and again, some people would say, I we have a particular friend who I know would say, that's terrible that your two best on-field stories are Ryan Altapia and Josh Fuentes. Well, first of all, we're also taking Blackman, Arenado, and Story for granted at this point. Like, we actually didn't even do honorable mention or any place on the list. The <laughs> fact that Trevor Story just continues to be really good. Again, that's not like, that's not a story. Damn it, Patrick, I walked into it. There was no way out. I was too far down that path. <laughs> 
But you painted yourself into a corner almost. There was right? no way out. There was no way out. But is that a is that a wrestling reference early or just no, not quite. No, no painting yourself into a corner, that's that's a painting <laughs> reference, really. <laughs> I was gonna say, yeah, yeah. I was going with NWO, but yeah, yeah. You uh, you arm dragged yourself into the top turnbuckle, mm, forced that one. But that's mm, could be a phrase. A little Four, bit. Three, six, a little early. We'll get there. But if we know, you know, that we feel like we know what we're going to get from those guys. And I, I feel like people in the know more or less know what they're going to get from most of the rotation, though. We'll, we'll get a little bit back to that. But from the position player standpoint, Josh Fuentes it's a little bit different. So let's, let's separate the big differences now, right? So Fuentes, this is a story where a, a lot of it's the story, the narrative. He shouldn't even be here. That he's at the major league level, DRSing over at first base and just doing spectacular things. And he really was, again, to, to simplify it, you know, we talked about the day. What a great day of Castellani's debut or what a great day. Blackman you know, hits the walk-off Grand Slam. And for the, what, last two weeks, three weeks maybe of the season, Patrick, baseball's an everyday sport. And every day when you tuned in, one of the most exciting things to see, one of the things that you as a baseball fan are going, I wonder what Josh Fuentes is going to do today. Man, that's something we didn't have before. I don't know if it's going to be great. I don't know if it's going to be terrible. But I don't feel how I did about Ian Desmond about him. Or you know, the catchers who have, who have struggled so much or Brian Shaw and, and these guys in the in the bullpen where it just uh, really this guy again. Finally, Josh Fuentes represented a oh man. Look at him go. And he was so much better at first base than Daniel Murphy and before him, Ian Desmond have been that I think Rockies fans just felt like they were witnessing the second coming of Todd Helton at first base because it was such a dramatic change and he had such a big impact. But then he also hit. So then you're going, well, shoot. And and I, I know there are a lot of people that don't believe in it. Short sample size. You've been reporting on the kid for probably longer than anybody else. Great story, you have to admit. You can put the question mark at the end of the sentence if you want. But if you're a dreamer, if you're a Colorado Rockies dreamer at heart, this is a place where you get to dream. And you get to dream big. You absolutely do. And while I, I understand... Uh, any kind of debate or the context around Josh Fuentes and why, well, if you're relying upon this young man, you know, for your wins and losses, there's obviously something much bigger that can be wrong. Well, I understand that argument. You can also look and say, well, wait a minute, isn't he almost the 2017 version of Pat Vileka where every time Vileka got into a game late, you knew he was going to do something big. He was going to change the outcome of the game. And Josh Fuentes was that this year, but the dude was a starter. Dude, he wasn't coming off the bench. He wasn't playing, you know, you know twice a, a week, you know, getting a, a starting spot at, at second base, you know, when, when somebody, when, when LeMahieu needed a day off. Fuentes was a regular. He was mm -hmm. doing it with his glove. He was coming up with those clutch hits. His, his cousin across the diamond might be the king of clutch, but, you know, Josh is, is, is no slouch himself. He's kid clutch. He was getting it done as well. And he was a young player who took a spot from a veteran while they were still playing to get into that expanded playoffs. And he did it with his performance. The Rockies get a lot of crap, and I and I agree with probably 50% of it, about the way they treat their young players or the way they have over these last couple of years and the way they've not brought McMahon and Toppy and some of these guys up correctly. And they've stuck with the veterans for too long. And they could have said, look, man, we're paying Daniel Murphy X money. He started the season hot. We're just going to count on him to get his bat back. And if he doesn't, oh, well, this season was stupid anyway. And we're going to let him go. They knew then. They knew then. But they could have played him out. Or Bud Black could have insisted on playing him out. And they went, nope. The kid's playing too good. We've all got eyes and brains and at this point, and so again, you know, they, they I, I think they rightfully catch flack for not doing that. And in this instance, they went, no, Fuentes has to play. And he did. He started yeah. for the rest of the season, and rightfully so. So good on them, good on him. And and Raimel Tapia, for all we've, we've talked about, Raimel uh, Tapia, El Cangrejo. Mm. Yes. <laughs> the suaviest member of the roster. The guy with by far the most style. Can we just say the that? 
the kid from San Pedro de Macari in the Dominican Republic. Was your team batting title champ? Hit 321, highest on the team by a lot. Kevin Plar was right behind him at 308. Josh Fuentes was third at 306. And then, oh, yeah, fourth, the guy who at one point was hitting 500, 400. Charlie Blackman finished at 303. But Ryan Maltapia, bat 321. Okay, that's that's something. That's definitely something to, to dream on, to hope on. In, in a lot of ways, you know, he, he took a step forward in 2019, did it again in 2020, uh, was fourth on the team overall in wins above replacement. You've got your story, Arenado and Blackman, your three all-stars. Well, right after that was, was Ryan Altapia, Kevin Pilar fifth, Josh Fuentes sixth. So again, these were two names that when you think of the, the stars – on the Rockies already coming into the season. And the fact that they brought somebody in who was really successful, a vet like Kevin Pilar, and yet it's Fuentes and Tapia at the end of the season that were really holding down the fort. On one hand, we understand why you could look at it saying, well, should you remember those guys? If you were in the playoffs, you wouldn't have remembered them. Okay. But how it played out in 2020, if we're just talking about what happened on the field and what were some of the highlights and some of the bright spots, you can't come away talking about the potential of Ryan Maltapia, what Josh Fuentes at first base could mean, particularly defensively, if he could uh, bring a, a gold glove back to that position for the first time since Todd Helton. You know, it, it's definitely something enticing. And you say, okay, well, you're not, you might not build around those guys. They might not be superstars, but that's part of the depth that the Rockies need. And if they can continue to play that way, now you've got a little bit more base to support your Arenado story and Blackman. And it's it, it got a lot more promising after 2020, thanks to Tapia and Fuentes. Yeah, I mean, th those are definitely the guys. And, and I'm going to throw a couple of names at some people because I know, again, you know, I'm going to say, yeah, he hit over 320, but, you know, the the WRC plus, OPS plus, those are, those are below average. Just, well, I've got a few comps for you. Remember Eric Young? The senior, the elder. Both. I mean, I remember both, but uh, sure. specifically the older one? Okay. Yeah. You recall Juan Pierre? Juan. You recall Willie Tavares? These are all guys who also hit well over 300 with an under hondo, so a below league average, WRC plus or OPS plus in their careers. Now, those guys were all elite base stealers and Ryan Maltapia is not an elite base stealer, but he is an elite table setter. What he is more than any of those guys, other than maybe Juan Pierre, and we talked about it throughout the season, Patrick, is consistent. He was on base in over 90% of the games that he played in out of the leadoff spot. And for me, the biggest missed opportunity of the season is this. You have the guy on your roster who's been, for the last seven years, the best hitter in baseball with guys on base. And for the first time in a while, you really have a true leadoff man, because Charlie Blackman, as great as he was in the leadoff spot, as often as not, he was clearing the bases more than as he was setting them for Nolan Arenado. Ramel Tapia is a, a table setter, and he was out there all the damn time. Every single at bat was almost a mirror image of the others. In some ways, stop chasing that pitch. In other ways, he keeps fouling off that changeup. He keeps spraying that single to left field. He keeps hitting it up the middle. He had some game winners, but it's the contact and the consistency of it. And for the first time in his career, he looked at the major league level the way he looked in the minors, which was a pest all of the time. And if you can eventually pair that with a Nolan Arenado, who's driving in, whose career, like runners with scoring position is like 415, and this last year it was like 080, he hit under 200 with runners on base this last year. So you, you get that back. Does it solve all your problems? Absolutely not. But we didn't get to see 
the other side of what Raimal Tapia did at an elite level in the minor leagues, and that's score runs. He got close, but he didn't, you know, Blackman started to cool off. Nolan Arenado wasn't there. You give him that table setting over 162, and yeah, he hits 320 and and comes in with a 95 WRC+. plus. None of the stat guys are going to tell you that Raimal Tapia is really helping the team. But ask the Blake Street Bombers if they like driving in EY. Ask that 2007 team. Ask Matt Holliday how he feels about Willie Tavares and Kazuo Matsui. So you need, not everyone can be Matt Holliday. Not every, and you have those guys. You need Raimal Tapia to be what he's been. And I think he's going to continue to be that. And Look out. Just look, I'm saying the guy can win a batting title. We're now in the top five, and Drew, three of our next five, or three of the top five, relate to pitching. How about that? Hmm. How about that? Who would have thought? Number five is the return or the bounce back of a Mr. Kyle Freeland, the Colorado kid, after an up-and-down 2019, quite literally. He was demoted down to Albuquerque for a couple starts, which ended up giving Colorado an extra year control on the back end of his deal, which you feel a little bit better about now since Kyle Freeland came (laughs) back and pitched much better in 13 starts. Uh, He had a lot of quality starts. I think he was even in the top five in the national Kyle returns. That's right. The worst nickname I've ever come up with. (laughs) Had a four, three, three ERA, but an ERA plus of one twenty two. Essentially the same as what we saw his rookie year, which we all kind of believed was who Kyle Freeland is. Sure, 2018 goes, finishes fourth in the Cy Young voting, 285 ERA, an absurd ERA at home. And you hope that's who he is, and maybe he can get back there. But after 2019, where the wheels fell off, Mm -hmm. he got back to where he was in 2017 and very well may be able to get back to where he was in 2018 next year for the Colorado Rockies. Yeah, I, th- I think a lot of people would be inclined to say that this is the number one on-field thing to feel positive about. I'll make the yeah. case for our, for our next entry. But I, I do think that this, this is certainly the, the best of both worlds, where you get to feel good about the, the on-field part of it, but you also get to feel good that the – son of Denver, that the favorite son of Colorado, that this young man who made his major league debut at Coors Field pitching a gem against the Los Angeles Dodgers, the young man who rightfully should have finished second in Cy Young voting, but has come the closest to winning that award as anyone and maybe in Rockies history has done so or, or as close to legitimately should have winning that award. Uh, but then you know, everything he did down the stretch, outdueling John Lester in the wild card game, clinching the spot for them to get there. And then for his 2019 to be such a disaster, such an epic. And I wrote at the time that he was more than any single individual. Look, we got Kyle Freeland shirts here. I'll, I'll never forget. We, we shouted out our guy Warren last podcast, you know, but there was a uh, started selling those shirts and there was there were conversations and I understand why people going you know you're selling Kyle Freeland shirts are you gonna run out there and you know be critical of this guy and then when he was really eating it and a lot of people in Denver media were like well you know tough year but it's not all Kyle's fault I was like look no single individual is more responsible for the downfall of this team in 2019 than Kyle Freeland. And sec- a very close second on that list was Wade Davis. And then there was a massive drop-off for whoever was in third. Those guys torpedoed a lot of winnable games that year. And I and it's I, not that I think Kyle Freeland did it out of, like, menace. We all know that he didn't. He wanted to win those games more than anybody. He was just, he was losing ball games all by himself bad. And that's... That's a tough place to be. And there are a lot of major league pitchers who've gotten to that place and never come back. And and an extreme number of guys who've done that for the Rockies, who've shown up and that's it. Or if they do come back, it's not here. 
They have to go find themselves somewhere else. It's not going to happen here. Great vet. Maybe Jake McGee even. You know, we'll see how the rest of his career. We may look back and go, goodness, really? That was it? It just got in your head at some point? You couldn't get it out until you went away? But Kyle Freeland looked it in the face and said, no, 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 no. This does not beat me. Not now. And that's why it was so exciting, I think, for Rockies fans that, like, it was the biggest exhale of the season. I think if you asked Rockies fans before 2020, other than making the playoffs, winning the World Series, you know, what's the one thing you want the most? I just want Kyle Freeland to, to be back, man. I just want Kyle Freeland. And he was. He really was. And and Kyle Freeland has the ability to do that better than anybody. He also had no other option, whereas players have to go away to find themselves where it's you you got to – fall off the the beaten trail beaten path you need to go back home you need to to go to your hometown team whatever Freeland is home he can't escape this he has nowhere else to go he has no choice but to face it which is easier said than done now yeah. that's not to take a you know discredit him in any way so well this was his only choice no he could have just said you know withered away or or just said oh well you know maybe trade me to go somewhere else. And there would have been always this doubt in the back of his head. And maybe he could have, you know, taken the long way around and maybe it would have been easier for him. I don't know, but he looked this thing dead in the eye and said, no, I got this. I'll be fine. Went out at six quality starts to begin the season. And even going into that last start, you know, his, his first half of the season was, was fantastic. Two, eight, seven ERA. Uh, yeah. through the first six starts. And then even going into that last one, he had a three, six, nine ERA, and then just kind of couldn't get out of that third inning against Arizona on the 27th of September, gave up six runs in two and a third. So that pushed him over that, that four run mark. But, um, you know, over the course of a full season, I think he would have been, you know, closer to three, seven, three, eight, something like that, you know, being able to, to kind of balance it out a lot better and really, get, gets you excited. Really solid for next year and it it now i think warrants the you know an extension i think now again it, it's so hard right now with the, with the finances of baseball and, and so i just don't know that we're going to see in a normal year it would have happened already yeah. i don't know we're going to see any extensions across uh, I, the game yeah yeah but i think you're you're at least whispering in his ear i think you do almost what the rockies did with, with trevor story nothing's just yeah <laughs> i think it's it's kind of like what the rockies did with with arenado and story where they say mm -hmm. well I don't know that we can come up with a, a, a mutual extension where we both benefit, but how about this? Instead of going to arbitration every year, we'll give you what you think you're going to make, but we're going to give it to you guaranteed. Yeah. And, and so now if you do get hurt, guess what? You're still getting paid that money. Yeah. So that was the case with, with Trevor story. So he's going to be making, you know, roughly $18 million this year. Could have gone to arbitration to try to get it, but he knew, Last year, he knew in, 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 uh, at the beginning of 2020 what he was going to make in 2021. So, right. again, it, it works out for both parties. And if they do want to come to extension, they can. So that could be a good workaround. But, yeah, Kyle Freeland being back was absolutely huge. And maybe slightly huger, we got it at number four on our list, is this man right here. The oh. one guy that we had yet to see. A complete season, and in a way we haven't yet, but it was sure. the most complete season he could possibly give us because he did it from opening day to the end of the season. We saw it from Gray. We saw it from Marquez. We saw it from Kyle Freeland. Now we can say we saw Mr. Antonio Senzatella put it all together, be dominant, and at age 25 have his best season yet. That was huge for the Colorado Rockies. Yeah, and and again, in a very Rymal Tapia-like way, he didn't have bad starts, man. It's like we were talking about with Kyle Freeland. At no point in the season did Antonio Sensatella lose a ball game by himself. And you might be like, well, that's a really low bar to set, man. It's like, first of all, it happens to almost every pitcher. When we had uh, Knudsen on, it was Knudsen, right, who talked about the 10 games you're going to have that you're just going to be awful the 10 games yeah. you're going to have where you've got your absolute best stuff. And then the 10 games you have where, you, where you're going to fight and you got to find out what's working, what's not. And those are the ones you, you've got to win, right? For other than the, the super, super duper stars, that's how it goes. And for a minute there, Antonio Sensatella was living on the borderline of having his best stuff every 
time out. And that got really fascinating. Like you said, we can't get over the moon with it because we haven't seen it over 162. But in 73 innings of work, the young man put up a 153 ERA plus at age 25. And let's not forget, no one, certainly no one listening to this podcast gets to claim that nobody saw it coming, that it came out of nowhere, that it was unpredictable, or that it was out of nowhere because it was actually out of a change in his mechanics, a change in his diet, and a change in his attitude. And all of those things led to a much better pitcher in 2020s. So for me, the reason it rates over Freeland is it's like, it's like Freeland is like finding something that you've lost, right? Which is this, like you, this sigh of relief. Oh man, that, that 50 bucks I, I thought I left in the thing. It was in that, my sweatpants I haven't worn. And okay, I found it. I found it. I have it. But it's supposed then, to be there. It's supposed it to was, be there. But it was supposed to be there. Right. Antonio Senzatella was a thing you gained this year. In my estimation, from an on-field vantage point, this is the biggest thing the Colorado Rockies gained in 2020. Because a guy at 25 years old coming into his own isn't exactly unheard of. He's always had the fastball. And when you look at the breaking stuff, you don't go, well, this is a fluke. You go, okay, guys might start laying off this a little more. There are adjustments to be had. It's, this game ain't easy for anybody. But when you watch, if you watched Sensatella this year, you're going, you're, you're waiting for it to stop. And, and it just didn't. And, and so you're just like, well, he looks like a new man to me. Patrick and I and I think as even more than Tapia who you you know I've been watching as closely and and as long and and been rooting for as hard if not harder as, as somebody who watches these things and since tell I've always been like god I don't think you can be a fastball only guy all the way up through the big leagues you gotta figure out those breaking balls he appears to have he did yeah did I uh, was able to get in the fifth inning of every start you know his, his every first outing. start was his last one. So that's, that's impressive. You know, we gave up uh, six runs, four runs and four runs. Those were his, uh, and five runs in one outing. But again, went you know, went the distance. I mean, they, you know, gave, gave some length, which is obviously incredibly inva- valuable. But as we see here, for those of you watching live on our Facebook and uh, Periscope feed, it was this picture here taken from the August 18th start at Houston, where against the Astros, he matched future Hall of Famer Zach Greinke. Eight so innings, shutout ball, gave up three hits, struck out six, only ended up walking none. He didn't walk a single batter. Incredibly yeah. high game score. One of uh, one of the top five, I believe, in, in Rocky's history. Yeah. Was absolutely spellbinding. And this was kind of the moment of like okay this this is the Senzatella we weren't sure we were ever going to see and it wasn't just that one start it that was that was the the end of the first half for him where you go okay it's there but then it was what he did after that to sustain it and say okay I I'm capable of doing this in consecutive starts essentially totally. and he was able to do that and that's that's he's gonna he and Freeland are going to be huge pieces where you say, man, even if everything kind of goes wrong with the offense, maybe the quartet of starting pitching can do enough heavy lifting to get him over the hump. Maybe that, it, it's not other, it's not yeah. crazy. I, I cheers now my Breck brew to actually all of them. I'm still working on the RK special. That's the hot peak hot peak IPA in the the strawberry sky. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Best if mixed in a glass, but that way is also acceptable. It's doable. Um, but really to the entire rotation, that's one thing we sort of left out that was another storyline, remember, in the early good start. And but was that the rotation, especially before Castellani's struggles really started pulling it down at the end. But remember, like halfway through the year, even by raw ERA, they were one of the best rotations in baseball. And so yeah, I 
the best case scenario, any best case scenario for your 2021 Rockies features Herman Marquez, Kyle Freeland, John Gray, and Antonio Sensatella being studs. And that I, I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility, but it is a thing that kind of needs to happen for them to compete. Number three, something that at the beginning of 2020, we would not have been able to have projected. If we we can make 2021 resolutions for the Rockies, and I'm sure we will next week, tune in where we normally go live at 4 or 5, Monday through Friday. We'll go through some of those things, and there, there's going to be a couple that I'm sure we're going to be right on when we look at the end of 2021. And as you said, Kyle Freeland bouncing back, that's at the top of everyone's list at the beginning of 2020. What we could not have foreseen was – Besides the pandemic, but it was everything that came with it, this idea that we are all human beings, we all need to be treated equally, that the rights of some have not always been the same as others, and we need to be better listeners, and we need to give more voice to people. And so that's why number three on our list is both Ian Desmond's leadership within his community, stepping aside and opting out of 2020, and the trials and tribulations of Matt Kemp as a black man in America and what he did to send a message and what the Rockies were able to do to support him during this season of civil rights going to the forefront of professional sports. Yeah, there were a few really big individual moments inside of this one. You mentioned Ian Desmond stepping aside. I'll add the Instagram post and his extraordinarily beautiful writing and explaining his own story and his own experience and his own perspective, experiencing racism and why he was going to step away from the game and what it was he intended to do with his time. And then what he's done with his time and all of the reporting on that and just the extraordinary work that Desmond has, has been out there doing. Then as, uh, you mentioned, you know, we got to the point in the season where after the NBA first uh, decided they were going to step away and, and not play games, there was, in my estimation, a, a kind of a dark mark on the season, a black mark on on Major League Baseball for a moment that in many ways they recovered from. And certainly the Rockies recovered from in a big way, and it featured Matt Kemp who had not been on this team, who had been a massive opponent of a Rocky killer. We're talking about Rocky's killers here soon, right? For years, stepping up in a clubhouse that could very easily not have felt his own and saying, guys, I'm a little disappointed that we played this game tonight. And here's the reason why. And then Trevor Story stepping up and being a leader as a not black man and saying, you're right. We should have stood by you and saying that publicly Trevor story coming out and saying, we let him down. We didn't do that right. As a team, we, we, we swung and missed at that pitch. We, we kicked that ball in the dirt. That was wrong of us. And, and for Trevor story, you know how many people, how many days I spent on Twitter and how rare it is to hear somebody say, I got a big thing wrong. I was very proud be associated with this organization that day yeah that was that was a fantastic moment they didn't play baseball the next day um again they they, they tried to do right by by their guy who again in i think you know sure that that should happen regardless of, of who is on your team but nevertheless the Rockies recognized it and, and said hey Matt Kemp is, is one of our guys we can very clearly see and we can now hear Cause that's, we all, we all want, right. we all have things that we want to say, but you know, when we stop and actually listen to somebody else, you know, there's a lot more that we can gain, especially it's from, from people that uh, don't often have their voices heard and, and do get marginalized. So you're right. It was, it was great for, for story in particular to step up uh, the Rockies organization to support camp and, and not play. Uh, that next day, I think that might have been August 27th. Sounds right. Yeah. So it, uh, it it definitely was was a highlight. It's something that we're going to remember about about 2020. You know, I, 
it's, it was a wild and, and crazy year. And I think things have kind of calmed a little bit. The, those issues are still there, but they were undoubtedly at the forefront across all professional sports, across, you know, our, our entire country. And, yeah. and the Rockies were at the forefront of that because of Desmond and because of Matt Kemp. So we got a, a good up close and personal look at them. And I'm glad we were able to do that because again, being all the way out here in the mountain time zone and kind of secluded and sequestered in so many ways, it's mm. easy to not have that same experience, but you know what we did. And, and so I, yeah, I, for one, am, am, am thankful for that. That's why that's number three on our list. Yeah. Well, number two is uh, one. I don't think anyone would have predicted. I don't know that you would have wanted to have even predicted this because you go, Who's Daniel Bard? No, and only Patrick. Did why I is not he in our bullpen? <laughs> did I not demonstrably say on this very podcast, on this very show, many times, not a thing. It's not going to be a thing. I was there, Patrick, at spring training in the before times. 1.0. 1.0 in Arizona. There were people. There were no masks. There was no hand sanitizer. No one was talking about it, but only a very hands? little bit. I actually did meet a couple of people out there. And I remember at the time going, ooh, mm, when it was like a week later. But they're all good. The uh, Trawarthas, if you're listening, uh, uh, Sean and Trey and them, I, I'm trying to remember. There's a, there's, there's a whole Trawartha clan, and I know they're regular listeners. And I met them out there, and I'm glad none of us gave each other a thing we didn't quite know, yet know existed. Um, and Daniel Bard made his spring training debut, the first time he'd pitched in whatever the seven years is. And uh, he gave up six runs and recorded one out. And I mean, every ball was just lined up, just smashed. And I went, well, this was cute and all. You know, Ubaldo Jimenez was also there. I put it in the exact same category. I yeah. said, look, nice story. I'm sure the guys are excited to hear from Daniel Bard, and they're going to swap stories. He's not going to make the roster. He's not going to be – he's not even going to be around for depth, right? Like, I, he's not going to be there. He's going to go the way – I thought he was going to have the exact fate that Ubaldo Jimenez had this year. He was the Rockies' best relief pitcher. He was the best story in baseball. He was one of the better closers in baseball. And not just because he was good a couple of times, because he pumped gas. And he whiffed seasoned, veteran, fantastic hitters by beating them. And he laughed off <laughs> every ball that was hit hard and every home run he gave up of like, hey, man, that guy's pretty darn good. I'm going to go back out and do my thing. And I, I think, you know, that's, that's the one story again, not by, by not being able to be in the clubhouse that we didn't get a, of like, Hey, what, what's it like being in the bullpen with Daniel Barb? What kind of things can he share? Cause again, kind of being away from the game in oh, that capacity, such a great Daniel Bard story, dude. <laughs> would it would have been great an homage. And cause I, you know, because he was, he was with the Diamondbacks the previous, um, you know, two years uh, as, as a, uh, coach of, of mental it was a mental strength coach right um right, right. Doing, doing some pitching things too so you know again some mental strength he does. veteran guy they, they brought in a veteran guy on, on on the minimum and it was it was fantastic and like you said drew in spring training oh that was a cute story nice it's it's like sting in aew thirty-eight seventeen. <laughs> that's a proper cool. reference you, you go, go well the guy's 55 years old bart's they're about 35 but same general reference. And Katie goes, says he still looks great. Katie goes, I've never seen anybody pull off the, the balding look better than Stink. She's like, he looks fantastic. Steve Daniel Gordon Bard. fantastic. Daniel Bard still looks good, too. I'll say. Yeah. And and we don't know Nowhere what Nowhere on the list Sting did we be. have that the Colorado Rockies are a very handsome baseball team, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't put that on the list. That's a free one for you. It goes in an honorable mention. But, yeah, Daniel Bard was just – it was a fantastic story. Yeah, even him just making that debut, you go, this is a great story. He still earned it. I didn't, you know, I, I you know, when I when I look at the Rockies, I, I try to look at them on both ends of the spectrum. That's how I look at everything. It's just like, okay, if, if this is the most real thing and the best case scenario, what could this be? 
Okay, that's exciting. I'm going to explore that. Let's say this is a complete phony garbage BS, whatever. They're just trying to, for a real fun story to get in the press with Daniel Bard. I didn't believe that was the case. I, I felt it out, right? I went through those motions because again, I, I, that's what I feel makes me a good journalist is you go, let me feel both of those things out and let me see, let yeah. me see where it goes. And I go, no, I didn't, I didn't get that sense. You know, you looked very good in summer camp and there was not a lot of other, there were no other options. There, there were, were no zero other options. Other options. The roster that was larger. Real quick, yeah. The roster was five more guys yeah. than previously. Only about about uh, three more guys in the bullpen yeah. than 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 the previous year's but roster. Even there in was spring, a limitation because because if you'll recall, going into spring, there was some thought of like, well, maybe Brian Shaw or Jake McGee will turn it around, and those guys were awful. Two <laughs> opening right there. You got two opening. Like, boom. And you go and you look, and then again, you go down the line a little bit, and you say, well, how did Joe Harvey do? How did Phil Deal do? How did Mujica Santos? He was good and you go, in 1-0. You go, yeah, no, he earned yeah. that spot, right? Totally. He earned that spot. Totally. And so even at the time, it was like, well, this is a great story. There could be more to it. You, you hope it doesn't be – you hope it doesn't follow that narrative. That's the thing is right. I, I felt it out, and I said, okay, publicity, no, doesn't make sense. But if he does really badly, that's all it's going to be seen as, and the Rockies are going to get nothing but crap for it's it. Kyle Kendrick 2.0, man. And hey, Jamie and it, Moyer or yeah, whatever. Yeah, and it is what yeah. it is when, when that happens. But lo and behold, the dude bounced back from that that those first couple outings. Was fantastic. Comeback story of the year. Sitting on 98. <laughs> Everyone's talking about Daniel Barr. I mean, even all the way in Boston. Talk about that East Coast bias. Hey, man. The Tony C. Tony Conigliera Award for coming back. Tony C. Getting we talked about weird Straight injuries. Up. This one was a sad one. Dude got hit yeah. in the face with the ball. Yeah. Totally uh. derailed. What what could have been a Hall of Fame career. Very young ball player. Look him up if you've never heard of Tony Conigliero. But again, was a, was a elected the the victor to that award. And so Daniel Bard was just fantastic. And again, we don't know what's going to happen in twenty twenty one. You got to think that he'll be able to carry some of that over. But you just you can't take that away from him. You can't. Yeah. Pavleka, member of the Baltimore Orioles. Guess what? You can't take away what he did in 2017. David Dahl, member of the Texas Rangers. You can't take away that he was an all-star in 2019. There are right. just some things that you you can't undo. We're is. talking about 2020. We're talking about Daniel Bard as our second best story for the Rockies this season. Yeah, I think that's right. And uh, I, even like the best part of it was watching dudes look back at him. That's that's the best. That's when you know that something's happening out there too. Because again, it's like if you're looking into it or whatever, if you if you're if guys are beating themselves at the plate, they will let you know. You see, you know when they when when you see a dude smash a bat or they go in and they beat up the the Gatorade bottle or the the big Gatorade thing. It's not because uh, they feel like the pitcher. Man, the pitcher just was unhittable today. I'm so frustrated because he's so good. No, that's. I should have hit that pitch. I was on it. I did nine things out of ten right. The tenth was I didn't hit the damn baseball. And so you're just you're just you know that's where you are. And what you saw, what what you'll see when a pitcher just beats you is that laugh, smile, look back at the mound thing, right? Where a guy's walking back to the dugout and he looks back out there like, who boy. And we saw so much of that for Daniel Bard this year. If we're saying Arenado is the anti-Jeter, Daniel Bard is the anti-Rivera because he's not breaking bats. Guys are going back to the dugout. Strike, he st- they struck out. They're gently placing their bat. Yeah, just like look, in man. in there, and they're just saying, yeah. "He got me." You know what? I really hope I get another shot, or we come back and we have extra innings. There's nothing I can do about it, so I'm not going to make a show. I'll, I'll gently place my bat in the rack that's it he's not breaking bats in that way no well Uh. if if you're still watching you're still listening we know we got a lot of you listening at home a lot of you watching right now live there can only be one highlander and there can only be number one in our list it's well, it is the new decade. I was going to say it's number one in the decade. It's it's probably the number one. If you go say twenty, <laughs> even if you go twenty ten to twenty twenty, that's eleven years. Are you, are you familiar with this whole fight with this debate? To the year two thousand 
is not the first year of the new millennium. The year 2000 I have heard that. is right. the last year of the old millennium. That's because true. Because there too. was no year zero. That's true. So the first year of the new, but that's such a like that's such a nerd ass thing. To... Well, that's that's you say <laughs> that when referring to the millennium. But if we're talking about decades and just decade. keeping the numbers neat, the zero, you get the zeros, if you will, so you the tens, the twenties, ten to twenty. So you right. go. So which season counts? So to, so twenty ten counts for the no, tens and teens. Twenty okay. So twenty ten, but then twenty twenty doesn't count, right? Because that gives you eleven. Right, but if we did, it would still be number one. The past <laughs> ten one. years. The past eleven years, the and next ten years, all ten years, it it may still be the top. Well, the Rockies would have to win the World Series. I don't. I think that's right. Yeah. Uh, I, mm, maybe just going in 07. Oh, this is a good question. Yeah. Okay. This is a good debate. What this gets nobody still different. knows what we're talking. You should know. Well, I'm not going to say it yet because you should know. You should know the greatest it's, thing that happened pre-pandemic. It was in January. It was a long time ago. It's still. We still get to fully embrace it and celebrate it. But yeah, what would be better than this? What would be better than our number one of 2020? This decade. Rockies World Series, obviously. Yep. Going to the World Series might might be a tie. Might be a tie. Winning the National League pennant is another way to put that. Yeah. I think that counts. Yeah. Well, how about just winning the NL West? I would say no. Not no, no. See, and to me, yeah, winning the, the National League is better than winning the division. No, no, right. I agree too. I agree. Right. So, but so some right. people, some people might put those at a tie. I wouldn't. I would. I would not. I yeah. would rather win the West than get the wild card. I, I would say, but I'd rather win the pennant than win the West. I would say, if the day comes the Rockies win the NL West, it'll probably be put higher on the list than this next moment that we're going to talk but about. That's wrong. I think that's right. I, I, I think you're correct. I agree with you. I, I we'll think this have is, to refrain from. I think this is bigger that narrative. That's right. Because the greatest thing, other than a Rockies World Series, so actually, Drew, I'm going to put you on the spot before we get to it. Yeah. We said there's really only one thing that could best this yeah. for the yeah. decade. So my my question to you is: in the year 2029, when we're still doing this. Oh boy. Um, Will this still be the no, moment? Be number one for the decade, Drew. You are on the friggin' spot right now. I'll say no. no. I'll say no. I will say that in the next decade, the Rockies will at least play in another World Series. And this next moment may also, and again, I think, like, I may, I may be getting a little too cute with the answer. You are. I said better. I said it's got to be better, not tie. It's got to be better. The other thing is, okay, we'll see if this moment becomes less and less special over time. It probably I think anyone will, listening, It probably right. will, which would be sad. People listening, I think, know where we're going with this at, at this point. But we're going to keep just drawing out as long as we can. But, yeah, I do think that if other things happen, if other guys get in, it will lessen. That's true. How, how important. Mm-hmm. But, but it shouldn't. Yes. But that's but again, yes. that's yes. the opposite of, of correct because if this moment does not happen, if the Colorado Rockies do not finally get to call themselves as an organization, members of Cooperstown, not member of, yes, representative, number 33, Mr. Larry Walker goes into Cooperstown as a member of the Colorado Rockies, as a part of a team, as a member of an organization, the CR on his hat, great ball player, but huge. And we talked about it at the time, and and, and I fear that what you're saying is true, Patrick, that in the future people will go, yeah, now other guys are in, and a couple other things are happening. Is it that special that it was so important that he break this seal and make it possible and launch a conversation that I promise you, whether you agree with my take on it or not, this conversation is in its infancy about Coors Field and how to properly adjust for it and park adjustments in general and all of that stuff. We're going to learn a lot over the next decade 
about who these guys really are. And that Walker is a gigantic catalyst for that. What's the thing Brad Pitt says? You know, it's it's not even just about winning. That he got in with this team, changed the game. Changes the game, Patrick. With 76.6% of the votes from the 397, I believe, members of the Baseball Writers Association of America, Larry Walker was selected to the Baseball Hall of Fame as the 333rd member that also coincidentally is it coincidentally? I mean, what are the odds? Is his favorite number, 333. But gets in, we all had a fantastic celebration. The next Hall of Fame celebration will be at the DNVR bar. But this right. one was pre-DNVR bar, so it was at the Blake Street pa- uh, Blake Street Tavern. Got to thank Chris for, for hosting our wonderful party. Yeah. It was everybody who was anybody was there. The Rockies even sent out their, their team cameras to film it, to use it for, for part of their you know season-long documentaries. Uh, I know they spoke with you. They spoke with Manny, and it was everyone in the Rockies community. I even had a cool moment where you know, I called uh, president of our chapter for uh, Sabre, Society for American Baseball Research. He was unable to come down. Uh, Paul Parker, great friend, neighbor. And, and he was, he was just touched. He was like, Hey Paul, we're thinking about you. We missed you. We you know, thought you were down there and, and I could hear him choked up. He's a, he's an emotional guy like I am. And it was a great moment because, you know, it was this validation for anyone and everyone who even went to a game at Coors Field to root on the Rockies to say your experience was real. It doesn't come with an asterisk. It doesn't get thrown out because, some of those guys were maybe using performance-enhancing drugs that may or may not have been banned by the game. They were legal right. by the country, but not. Weird or bad about it. At There's all. humidor. There was no humidor. No, it was. Look, it doesn't matter. We've got enough evidence to say that this gentleman, Larry Walker, is among the greatest baseball players to have ever played our sport, and yeah. him getting in was just such a great validation you know, for the entire city and in so many ways. I mean, we had everyone at, at DNVR was just like, oh, my God, that was amazing. And they might not be huge baseball fans, but, you know, they can't wait for their moment when it's Carmelo Anthony, let's say, getting in the Hall of Fame, right? Like that. Yeah. I mean, I, and, yeah. and maybe he won't I'll, have to I'll go through as much, that, much hardships too because Larry Walker, again, 10th and final ballot. He still would have gotten in. And I don't know that we had that conversation be... that as long as you're in, you're in. It doesn't matter in the long right. run. But in the short run, right now, right now, we wouldn't be talking about this. And we would be talking about the worst moments of 2020. And that would probably be in the top five. Right. Walker didn't get in. He missed by this many votes. It, it would have been travesty. Uh... So again, I get it. I can say that in the grand scheme of things, no one really cares if you're veterans committee or you voted in. But it, it means a lot in the moment, and it means a lot while you're waiting because Dick Allen didn't get that opportunity. He's still waiting to get into the Hall of Fame. He will eventually get in. Ron Santo passed away before he was finally enshrined in the Hall of Fame. So many guys. Buck O'Neill is still waiting to get that phone call, and that's Let's a day go on that. to get all yeah. emotional Come when on. they make that decision. So Larry Walker got to enjoy it, got the phone call, and he got to – Get all swagged out in his, his SpongeBob square pants, NASCAR top. I'm not. I'm not totally. sure the style, the cut of that shirt. But now that shirt back. is now enshrined in the Baseball Hall of Fame. In the Hall of Fame. How cool uh, is that? All of it. All of it was incredible, man. It's. It's definitely. Honestly, it really is one of the more unforgettable days of my life. And if you'll recall, it was. There was a lot going on. That was the next day after Nolan Arenado had made his comments about feeling disrespected. And, you know, we had done an emergency podcast. I had done an emergency solo podcast the night before. So we had both, we had done all that work. Then I had gone down to the old DNVR offices 
to do TDSP before going out to that event. And man, I'll never forget addressing that crowd. I will never forget standing in front of that room of people and it was packed. Remember remember when we were allowed to do that? (laughs) And remember I asked the question, and you were just talking about this, like who here feels that this isn't just about Larry Walker, that this is about your team, the validity and legitimacy of your team, every hand every hand in the place went up rightfully so yeah and i was so prepared i remember some of the some of the dmvr staff uh admitted to me later i won't call out their names i won't say who but um you know who were down at the offices that day uh didn't end up coming to blake street tavern and it's because they really you know were worried that it wasn't going to go the right way i told them on tdsp that day i said look This isn't going to happen. I'm really sorry, everyone. You know, try to enjoy the day. Let's all get ready to be rabble rabble. I had written a 2000 word article about the offense and how dare they. And so I felt felt like I was prepared. But then we stood in front of that crowd, you and I. And and I stood there and talked to them for a little bit about all those things and, and what it was like to be a Rockies fan. And as I was doing that, as I saw all those hands go up, I thought, I'm going to have to say goodnight to every single one of these people and say, I'm sorry it didn't happen. (laughs) Just like, I'm even getting emotional now just thinking about it because I can remember, like, I went around and introduced myself to everybody that was there. And right before they did the final vote, I went and gave a fist bump to everybody in the house. There was one camera guy who was like, I stay neutral. I was like, I respect that. All other 78 people or 102 people who were there, I don't know, that room that we were in, Got a fist bump from those people. And I just, right until the announcement was made, in my mind, I'm going, I'm going to have to say sorry. I felt like I was going to have to apologize to everybody in the room for making such a big deal out of something that I, in my heart, did not believe was going to happen. And that it did. And I just, I just lost it, man. I was just like, I, I, I still, I still can't believe it. It, it was a room full of Pinocchios that were just waiting for the right amount of fairy dust to make them real. And I also, I, I thought it was going to come down to three votes. I said, yeah, I think he's going to be three votes shy. And I have never been more happy to be wrong. Yeah. Never. And even, even when they said, we've got two people getting in, I, it was like, hold on. Hold on. And we I know. I still waiting. wasn't there. Yeah. And you're like five tool athlete. Oh man, that sounds like him, but maybe it's Bobby Abreu. I don't know. And <laughs> right. Like, damn it. He stole a lot of bases in his day. You're going, and, did, did they just call Kurt Schill like a five tool player? <laughs> yeah. It, that was, uh, yeah, that was one where I, I was almost the last person out. I realized I was like, no, there's some other people here that they just don't want to go home. I don't know what their situation's like, but they right. don't want to go home. <laughs> And I was like, I'm going to wait here. You know, I had some stuff going on the next morning, super early, like we're talking 6 a.m. early. But it was like I, you only get one shot at this, right. one moment to, to to just enjoy in the revelry. And, you know, took Larry Walker 10 tries wow. to do it. Well, he didn't take him It'll 10 tries. It never happen like this. It took the voters it 10 tries. It took them 10 tries. And he finally did. And, and I think that's why you're right. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, that's why we have to make sure that what you were talking about earlier doesn't happen. You and I have to make sure because right. there will never be another one like this. Todd Helton's going to get in on ballot eight or whatever, which he should. That, that sounds about right, honestly, and, and good. And he should. And Nolan Arenado is going to get into the Hall of Fame, whether he wears a Rockies hat or not. Stay tuned. But this fight was so important. And to get in by three votes the other way or six votes the other way um, on his very final ballot. It was, it was the bases are loaded in the bottom of the ninth and you're down by three and there's two outs and anything other than a a home run and the other team is still in it. You hit the ball over the wall, the game is over and it just ended. And that room 
exploded. And that's some of the most positive energy I've ever been around in my life. But yeah, it'll never be repeated. It can't be done like this. Again, the first guy through the wall, mm -hmm. the 10 years, all the arguing. And don't forget. And he had to write we, a book. <laughs> like, oh, oh, yeah, there's that. Um, like, and don't forget, we've got projection systems now. Ryan Thibodeau, uh, not Mr. Tibbs on Twitter, right. where he tracks all these public ballots. And it's like, all right, well, of the public ballots, you know, it's it's it was sitting at about maybe 74%, 75%. And it says, well, usually the, the ones ballots that are public are usually a bit more generous with the votes. So that means if he's not getting 75% from the public ones, he's definitely not getting it from the private ones. Right. He's going to be a couple short. So, and yeah, and and so, you know, Helton gets in. That's great. We, there's two Hall of Famers for the Rockies. But there there can only be that first one. And that's that's like a leap. That is a that's a huge leap from nothingness to one. To go from one, one to two step is not me. that bad. One yeah. giant leap for Rocky kind. Yeah, because after Helton, I mean, we could we could be talking. Hey, Dale Murphy gets in uh, on a on a veterans Definitely committee, and you go, all right, well, hey, he was on the Rockies for a little bit. That's the third one. Yep. Cool, put him up in McGregor Square, and and all of a sudden, you can you can really start to have a history. Like the Rockies had twenty eight years of history going into this, but now with a Hall of Famer, now now they've they've got like a a, a trenchant. Is that the word? They've they've got a pillar in the ground. They're in the to book, build man. their own museum. They're on that Ken Burns history. level. <laughs> they they've got something more official, something deeper. Yeah. And then Helton makes it even deeper. And then you've got kids who are born and are raised in the Rockies that know nothing but Hall of Fame Rockies players. Right. Like they know nothing of but like this equality. Like you said, getting that validation. Hey, I'm a real boy. I, all these games I went to really count. They meant something. There will be a generation of kids who won't know. Like, wait, what do you mean people didn't know that these games counted? And what do you mean that they they discredited it and they couldn't decide? Even if it was only half of half of it was real, that's still really good, right? Yeah, but they're they're not even going to give it half the credit. Right. They'll never even know that. And so. Larry Walker, the first guy getting it done in January, which was how many years ago was this that? Year? Right. January yeah. 2020 was Did that happen? two to two and a half years ago and is okay. still and will remain for some time until the Rockies win the whole shebang. The best of 2020. Congratulations, yeah. Larry, and congratulations to SpongeBob. That's right. Yeah, you got to throw out a congratulations to that shirt, like you said, also in the hall. And and to get a guy with that, legitimately, though, with that personality, with that, like, he's so not one of theirs. We were talking about the other day, my, my dad's favorite ball player, Al Kaline, me going toward Kane and Rymel Tapia and these other guys. And of Hall of Famers, Larry Walker's that guy. If if Larry Walker's your Hall of Famer, it's not Mickey Mantle or Babe Ruth or or some of these other guys. And you go, that's fine. That's fine. But when people ask me who was the best right fielder of the 90s, I can say, you know what? On any given night, pretty solid percentage, it was Larry Walker. And he was ours. Mm -hmm. And he went in with the SpongeBob and a beard my favorite quote of last several years, which came a little bit before this, which was when he came out for a special event celebrating the history of the Rockies. 25th anniversary, I think, maybe. That's right. That's right. And he was asked by, I want to say it was either Groke, The Athletic, or is our friend Kevin Henry of Rockspile. I feel like it was one of those two people. And they just asked, you know, what are you up to now? What are you doing? these days. Larry Walker responded, and I'm going to censor it very slightly, whatever the app I want. <laughs> <laughs> Which was, uh, it was just like, yep. Thanks, man. Thanks. Thanks for doing all the stuff. And uh, I was there when he hit the ball into the third deck. I think the longest home run he ever hit what happened to be at one of the two or three ball games a year I got to go to. Coming over, you know, I, I've talked before about how my dad said, emulate his game. That's the guy. Play like him. If you want to play ball, do it like that guy. 
he's got he's got the right way of it and all of that stuff he was the next al line. same position same type of profile it's it, it's all right there and you just go yeah that's the guy who takes no part of the game for granted who plays it to have fun but also who doesn't sacrifice his own personality or sense of self to do it he was still the guy who ran the wrong way across the bases backwards and all that stuff man he's ours he's one of a kind and he's ours that's right yeah well thank you all for celebrating this last year of colorado rockies baseball even though there are a lot of people out there who might say hey not worth one worth one worth celebrating we're gonna go eh, there's some stuff worth celebrating there a lot of great fun look at all that stuff that we got to talk about 1992 is the last year there that's is right. nothing to celebrate I, I remember it. I remember like it was yesterday. DNVR Rockies podcast in 1992. Who is the not a lot to talk who about. the WWF champion in 92? That's got to be Hogan years, right? Still Unless, Hogan. That's still Hogan because Macho hadn't Macho Man hadn't quite taken. Flair might have come over at that point. I know he had so. had won somewhere in there. Yeah. I don't know if they'd put the the uh, the strap on on Undertaker yet. Maybe. Not sure. It could have been maybe early taker, but I think we're still talking Hogan. So that's, yeah, that's how long it's been since there's been nothing to be excited about. A lot of fun stuff this year. Let us know if we missed anything. If there was a moment from this year that you thought was really fantastic we didn't talk about, uh, or just something that was pretty good. <laughs> Either way. And uh, like Patrick said, we're going to talk soon about what we're looking forward to, what, there, what there's going to be to be resolute about in the new year. So join us for all of that. Make sure you're following us on social media at Patrick V. Lyons, at Drew Creaseman, at DNVR underscore Rockies. Of course, you've got to subscribe to the DNVR.com because when you do, you get discounts on hats, shirts, masks. You get to read all the written content and you get a bigger beer when you come down to the DNVR bar when it reopens, of course. And you get to be a part of our Discord chat, talking to us about wrestling or music or video games or still baseball because we still do that at times even when we're not here on the podcast so hang out with us share your stories share whatever you want and rest in peace to Brody Lee John Huber by the way uh one of the greats from that other arena of our life that we're always talking about here on the podcast while we're saying goodbye to 2020 I know we were both uh emotionally impacted by that Patrick as as AEW fans as pro wrestling fans and as people who know tangentially other people whose lives were impacted by that great human being. If you're not a fan, I'm sure you've seen his name out there a little bit. Maybe maybe get to know his work a little bit, but uh, a human being who, who touched a lot of people's lives. And so we want to say thank you also to him, even though he's not a member of the Rockies community. He's still a member of our community. And and uh, thanks for all the hard work, John Huber slash Brody Lee slash Luke Harper. And uh, thank you to all of you for continuing to be absolutely awesome, despite the brutality that was the year 2020. Let's try to do just a little bit better in 2021. Thanks for being absolutely awesome. I promise you, we will continue to be absolutely Patrick Lyons and Drew Creaseman. And until next time, we will see you at the ballpark.